All right, I'm excited for this week's episode. We had a great conversation today with Jeff Erickson. Uh, he's currently working with a company called Forecaster. Yeah. He's really involved in the entrepreneur community here in Utah and mm-hmm. really well connected. And he had a lot of fun stories about businesses that him and his wife had run and then ventures that he's done on his own as well. So excited for this week's episode. Uh, you guys get to learn a little bit more about him. And how to become a LinkedIn influencer. He just surpassed 15,000 followers. Here we go. <laughs> Let's go. All right. Well, we're so excited, uh, Jake and I, here with the Midnight Founders podcast to get going and talk with Jeff Erickson, who used to be with Carter, Carta and built that empire up and now he's doing something new and we're going to learn all about that with forecaster so with that um we're excited to hear the the tidbits of wisdom and just learn your story more and uh and welcome to the show jeff it's good to have you here guys yeah this is great yeah all the way from utah or salt lake county down Uh, up in farmington davis county even further right that's right a good drive that's right cool well, um, to get started, Jeff, um, we'd just like to get to know some of your background, right? So uh, you've been an entrepreneur for a long time, uh, you know, and maybe a little different sense of the word traditional entrepreneur, right? But you've been doing things with startups for a long time, right? Yeah. So what was your first, what was your first gig? Do you remember that? Oh, man, my first gig was probably selling brownies to the neighbors, but uh, that was, <laughs> that's a little too far back. Nope. Everybody gets started back then. So, <laughs> we've heard lemonade. We've heard popsicles. We've heard okay. Dogs. Maybe. I, mean, I don't know if you've heard this one. In the beginning. So one of the gigs that I had with a friend of mine, we had a, a company called Rivals. Okay. And it, we, we were selling car flags, the okay. flags that go on your car. And, you know, I saw these back in Kentucky, and all the Kentucky basketball fans had flags on their cars. Oh, cool. And so I looked up the manufacturer and we figured out where to get them. And me and my buddy, we ordered all these flags and we, we were the official supplier to the University of Utah for their car flags. Oh, no and then way. we started working with BYU and, you know, Uni- or Utah State. The ones that stick right on your windows. On exactly. The sides, yeah. Right? You roll up your window and okay. they're sticking on there. And I so wondered who was selling all those things. I'm like, those are so obnoxious. Where do they get those? Yes. It was Jeff yes. Erickson. That, that was probably sense. where they were getting them back in the day. <laughs> Now we kind of hit it, hit it in a, a crazy time because the Jazz went to the finals, the year that we were doing the car flags, oh, wow. and everybody wanted Jazz flags, and we had we had cornered the market, uh-huh. and so we had all the Jazz flags, cool. and we were, my wife was like, eight months pregnant, oh, and no. we couldn't get rid of all these flags, and we just had all <laughs> these car flags. And so we stacked in the garage or something. They're all in the garage, so that's where an inventory. But then we would take them out, and we would just uh, like um, would would set up a shop on like street corners, and we would sell car flags. And during the playoffs, we were like, I mean, normally they're like fifteen bucks. We were selling for like forty bucks. Because uh, there is such high demand, oh my but uh, like my, my wife will never let me live with that one down. Because she was like, out remember there. Remember those flag days? You're like, no, I don't remember flags those. <laughs> uh, Eight for rivals. Pregnant. Oh man. So Bless that's her. incredible. Good job. Yeah, crazy. Good so thing that was for supportive wives that are with us through thick and thin, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Cool. I was a heartbroken teenager when the Jazz lost to the Oh man. That was. That was oh, that was a sad, sad day. <laughs> the good old days when we loved the Jazz. We still love them, but it's harder to love them now. That, that was a fun run back That's then. Right. So. That's right. So uh, what was next? You you got started. Well, I don't with know Car if it Flags. was next, but uh, but at at some point I, I was I came out of uh, University of Utah, did my MBA there, and came out and was with a finance company for about four years, 
And we did some venture debt and, you know, worked with some early stage companies. It was really kind of fun. And one of the partners there, he left to go to this little startup and he took me with him. So I was like employee number 15 at this little new company. And it was the coolest thing ever. I just, I'm like, this is the best. So we, uh, we raised about three rounds of funding from some big you know, VCs, Insight Partners and some others, but uh, had a fun ride, you know, just kind of starting at the very ground level and then seeing how a startup works. And I mean, it was, it was just that grind, but it was so fun oh, cool. and so much energy. And so that was my introduction to real startups, I guess. Yeah. Um, That's so cool. So what was next? And what was your next step? Well, crazy enough, after Icono, I, I went off and kind of did like a little side thing with uh, with some guys that I had met through Icono, and my wife had a hobby, Okay. and it turned into, started to get some traction. Oh, man, I love those kind of hobbies. And so, you know, my wife that was out there selling car flags, now she, she's got this little hobby where she starts <laughs> sharing it with some of the neighbors, and... Uh, and it, I helped her raise some capital, and we got a partnership with this tech company, and we started to grow this this hobby into a, a legitimate company. What so, was the hobby? We got enough. So it was called Uppercase Living. It was okay. a home decor, oh, yeah. vinyl lettering, vinyl, yeah, so interior vinyl lettering sure, yeah. uh, company. Cool. And Inger, my wife, she really pioneered that whole industry. Um, we She got the volume up enough to where we could go back to the manufacturer in Germany and say, we want these colors and we want a new adhesive that doesn't tear the paint off the wall if you and take it off. listen to you because of the volume. Yes, and, and we had the volume where mm. they're like, all right, we'll, man, we'll create some new products for you guys. And Great. so she created kind of that whole industry of indoor um, vinyl, I guess. Wow. So. Which is big. You see that in a lot of houses. So yeah, she did something yeah, there. Right. You used to. I don't know if you still do much. Yeah, but, it's not. Uh, as, it's not as big now. But anyway, so yeah, we we ended up um, growing that company. So I came in and joined that, and then full time. You worked with full time. Wow. And just on a side note, how did that go? Because I know those husband wife duos. <laughs> We've talked about this a couple yeah. times. That can be tricky, you know. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that, that's tricky. So, <laughs> yeah. um, and what was even trickier is we had at, at one point we had six founders, six co-founders. And so that got tricky as well. Wow. Um, but yeah, we had a, a good roller coaster ride. We grew the company very quickly. Mm. Um, after four years, we were at about 40 million in sales and growing rapidly. Yeah. But then we hit the, the, uh, 2008, 2009 um, market. The the bust. The uh, housing market collapse. So, and that impacted our sales pretty significantly. Just Um, because it was a kind of a nice to have product. It wasn't like a necessary product. Yeah, that. And and I think the other thing that happened is we were gearing up to sell the company at that point. And if you look at, I mean, if any, if entrepreneurs want to learn a lesson, um, when you're looking at selling the company, what happens a lot of times is, is you know, the, the focus on this company was your EBITDA, yeah. your how much, what's your profit look like? And, you, you know, you're getting a multiple on the, the you know, profit. And 
in order to create this EBITDA number that was as big as possible, we started to cut costs. We started doing all kinds of things, not looking forward. And then when the market kind of froze up, um, there's no way we were selling the company. We, we were looking really good there for a while. And then all of a sudden it was like, there's no capital. And so now we're stuck with revenues declining and skeleton no long-term planning. Yeah. And it was, it was pretty tough. So it was kind of writing things up and then trying to figure out, navigate things down. Not letting them go down. Like, hurry. Oh, down. man. And it's a lot more fun riding up than it is down because then you have to start making some really tough decisions and letting people go. Um, just not fun. Did you end up selling eventually or did you? We what did. did you do eventually? Yeah, we ended up selling the company and actually to a private equity group out of Texas. And uh, yeah, sad story there. They, they kept me on. They had me stay on for three years as a CEO and it was two years too long. Uh, it was just miserable after, after the first year. First year, it was we, we actually were doing quite well. And then... Uh, Another ride down from there. Is that what well, not necessarily. It was, it was really the, the parent company started you know, pulling cash out of our uh, company to fund some of their stuff. others. And it ended up destroying uh, multiple companies. Well, that's too bad. But anyways, I got out of there and took a little break and then part of that journey, right? One of yeah. those, some tough lessons learned Full of hard knocks. Yeah. Oh, totally. Exactly. Yeah. Shoot. And then, and then is that when Carta entered the picture? Jeff? Yeah. Yeah. I, okay. I actually uh, took a little break and then Carta opened up a uh, Salt Lake city office hmm. and brought me in at that point. So pretty early on, right? Fairly early on. They'd been around for a, a while, okay. but, um, they had about 200, maybe 250 employees at the time. Okay. And by the time I left uh, you know, a few months back, I think they're at like 1,700 employees. That's so had incredible. A, had a fun ride there. Yeah, you and that did. Was, and the cool thing about Carta was it put me right in the middle of the, the startup ecosystem again. Yeah. Um, and again, more in the tech ecosystem. And uh, so it was a really, really good place to be and just felt like, like home. At one point, Jeff, your name was synonymous with cap tables. Anything with cap tables, <laughs> call Jeff. He knows, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, and you're super well connected. Um, you know, I followed you on LinkedIn a little while ago and have been, you know, just connecting with you as much as I can and, and watching what you're doing. And, yeah. and so how did you get so connected into that? Was it just through Carta or is that something that oh, you've been passionate about for a while? That's, that deserves, yeah, it's its own question. How'd you become a LinkedIn superstar, Jeff? <laughs> yeah. Because really, like anytime <laughs> you post, it's, it's lots and lots of frenzy. I love it. You know, it's crazy when it was actually when, when I was taking a break there, um, I was looking for things to do. And so Besides I was trying to connect with people things, except right? for skiing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I would go to a lot of these networking events and, you know, I had like, you know, I, I wasn't using my, my LinkedIn. In fact, with our company before it was all Facebook, like mm. we, it was very heavily Facebook, Instagram. And so my LinkedIn presence was, I, you know, my biggest goal was to get to 500 um, <laughs> followers so that when it says, 
you know, it doesn't say 156, it says 500 plus. <laughs> and it's like, okay, so if I can get to 500, that would be great. You've made it to the big time. So, um, you know, and I just started using that as kind of a way to keep in touch with people mm-hmm. and connect with people or remember who I was connecting with as I'd go to these networking events. And that's actually how I connected with the guys at Carta. Oh, really? Or two guys, uh, Tom, mm. Tom Meta and uh, Alex Farman. And I found Carta, which was eShares at the time. And I'm like, this is a cool company. Hmm. And I start, I looked, I remember looking at the website and I think the, the average age of the employees had to have been like 22 years old or something. Hmm. It was, and I'm like, there's True no way I would fit here. Right? Yeah, it was, it, it was not somewhere I thought I'd fit, but I, I connected with a couple of the guys there and they reached out and said, hey, do you know anybody in Utah that we ought to connect with, we're, we're going to come to town. Hmm. And I'm like, what are you guys thinking? <laughs> and so we started talking, and that was my intro to, to Carta. And cool. So Great company. But yeah, that was through LinkedIn. Well, I reached out to, to Jeff a couple weeks ago on LinkedIn, and, and he invited me to come up to one of these events and uh, you know introduced me to, like in I would say, like a 10-minute window. There was at least 50 people. That came up to Jeff and Jeff. Everybody like, hey, knows Jeff. Jack, it's so Jake, awesome. Yeah. Oh. How could <laughs> you not? Fun. The nicest guy ever, right? Your, oh, yeah, man. your networking skills are top notch. So incredible. Yeah. <laughs> a, it's yeah. not a it's not a surprise to me to hear that Carta kind of yeah. sought you out for that. Me either. So <laughs> what are you doing today? What are you doing now? Right now, yeah, you've recently made a change, right? I did. Yeah. Yeah. So with Carta getting kind of big, I I had met these founders um, about three and a half years ago, um, or three years ago probably, going through Techstars. And I got them signed up on Carta. And of course. Of course. <laughs> and we just kind of kept in touch. And they started to get some traction. And one of the founders, Logan of Forecaster, uh, reached out and said, hey, Jeff, we're starting to really grow here. We need somebody to kind of lead our partnerships team. Do you know anybody that kind of does what you do at Carta? And I'm like, well, I don't know. Tell me more about it. So you should mention that, right? So it was a great time. Uh, So I I ended up joining Forecaster about three and a half months ago. Fantastic. Uh, They Very similar to Carta, they, instead of taking cap tables out of spreadsheets and into a software platform, they're taking financial models Mm -hmm. out of spreadsheets into a platform that makes it easier for founders to you know, run scenarios, forecasting and forecast okay, out their, you know, their, you know, which makes sense, model. which makes sense with the name, right? There, there you go. Great branding That's forecaster. Yeah. Hmm. So how's it going so far? It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. These guys are great. They're Good. the company's based in Louisville, Kentucky. Oh, so it's not here local to Utah. No, it's yeah. It's out of Kentucky and, um, the founders are based there. Uh, I'm the only one in Salt Lake. We've mm-hmm. got a, a, few employees in Boulder, Colorado, and in Austin, Texas, and we're kind of spread out a little bit from there, but cool. But uh, yeah, about 25 employees, and we're, we're getting some good traction. We're getting about, I think we're, we're up to about 50 to 60 companies a month that we're bringing on. Okay. So kind of a fun... That's past the startup phase, so now you're in the scaling phase. Yeah, right? we're definitely, definitely scaling yeah. right yeah, now, great. for sure. Cool. I've seen some of the stuff that they're they're doing, and it's really it's really awesome. I want to check yeah. it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah you'll have to. In fact, some of the 
the companies might be it might benefit some of the is there a demo or companies. something you can do online or do you just go oh, through yeah. the demo that actually I'll, yeah i can set you up with somebody Jeff, to let's do this through. yeah so. after this podcast we're going to talk about demo <laughs> sounds good <laughs> so uh I, I know you're also doing some angel investing you've been in this space for a, for a long time um one of the things we like to ask every guest is like, what's a crazy story in entrepreneurship or what's something in your journey that is unique that uh, kind oh, of sets man. you apart or is a fun story. Something you'll never forget. Yeah. We've heard that it I'll all, never right? forget. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, well, I know one of one of the challenges that I had when we after we had sold the company and they put me in as you know kind of ceo over this this new company and and this company's going public and you know with this conglomerate of this is back in the vinyl days right in the vinyl days so my first week as kind of the ceo of this new entity um i go into i'm I'm on my email and all of a sudden everything goes down everything Mm. shuts down and we don't have any internet access Mm. and i'm going okay what happened? And, you know, we're, we're thinking it's just a normal outage. So I'm, call, I'm making phone calls and trying to figure out what happened. And, and you know, and then I'm thinking, okay, maybe they didn't pay the bills. Uh, oh. You know, we're going through this transition and everything. Yeah. Well, I start getting on the phone with all these, these providers, and they're like, yeah, we show that your account has expired, and uh, we, we cut it off, and you guys shouldn't have had access. And I'm like, well, it was working up until like two hours ago here, and yeah. now we can't manufacture, we can't do anything because everything's offline. We need somebody out here right away to get this taken care of. And they're like, well, no, we would have to set up a new T1 line and everything. It's going to be at least two months. And I'm oh, going, man. two months? That's two a, months we're out of business. That's a bad um, day. yeah. You know, three weeks we're, we're probably out of business. Oh, wow. And all of a sudden I'm like, what in the world? Yeah. And I, I just remember going back into the warehouse going, I think we're done. Oh. <laughs> I mean, what else do we do? That is a bad day. And yeah. yeah, talk about a bad day and about four or five hours of just complete stress. And then, you know, after a few more phone calls and people calling me back, uh, we found out that they were looking at the wrong account that had gotten shut down. No way. And oh there was gosh. some other things that they <laughs> could do. And we had company. somebody come out and, oh, wow. and fix it. But, oh, my gosh, I, I seriously thought that it was like a weekend. I had, I, we were done. <laughs> so you're thinking, not on my watch, please. Come on. Oh, man. So one thing that that I thought was interesting is when you're a, a founder and everything kind of rolls up to you, the the pressure that you feel as a founder, you, you don't forget. Mm-hmm. And I remember my first, you know, few weeks at Carta and I came in and I'm, I'm in this office and there's all these people and I'm, I'm like, you know, I've got more of a defined role on, you know, just do this and you're good to go. And all of a sudden five o'clock rolls around and people are leaving. I'm going, whoa, where's everybody going? going yeah. And it's seriously, I was telling people it, felt like a vacation um, because it was all of a sudden it was kind of this, you know, the pressure didn't roll all roll up to you to where you're always on. Mm. Um, you know, there was actually, you could actually take vacations. Mm. You could, you know, turn your mind off and, and go on a vacation. Um, mm. So it was really, it, it made me appreciate what founders go through mm. and, you know, the stress that comes along with having everything kind of roll up to you. How did you handle that stress when you were in that in those moments where everything had to 
be solved by by Jeff? Yeah, I don't know. Pro- probably not that well. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe um, that. <laughs> you know, I think it's good to have people that you can talk to. Yeah. And, you know, I, I mean, I look at the something I didn't have for a while was, was you know, a, a co-founder mm. or other founders even to kind of commiserate with or to bounce ideas off of. Um, and, and I look at the accelerator programs and I, I just think huge advantage is having these other founders together network because it gets really lonely being a, a founder and well having other founders that kind of get it and can do that is a real advantage and a benefit. Yeah, yeah. I think it's people to hold you accountable to. I agree that, with that. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I agree yep. with that. Cool. Well, um, I mean, Jeff, the Midnight Founders podcast, we're here talking right now. What You've got some cool stories that have happened, but what what makes you a Midnight Founder podcast, meaning just that cranking away at midnight and making it happen? <laughs> oh, man. Okay, this is... Uh, this goes back to Icono because okay. when I when I was at Icono, there was this energy, and I remember we're in Utah, and and this was back before Utah was a a tech mm-hmm. hub, and still Geneva still land and you know farmland yeah, right yeah, and so I remember the CEO telling us that, you know, if we're gonna be like a Silicon Valley company, you know, there's no such thing as nine to five, mm-hmm. it's like you know we're we're, we're doing this because we've got this vision and we're going to make this happen. And everybody in the company was kind of jazzed about this. And so there's this energy. Mm. But I remember being, you know, on my computer home and emailing back and forth with the, the CEO of this company at like one o'clock in the morning. And I'd ping him and hit answer. And, and I was like, well, I guess that's just how it is. And I, I think we've actually come a long way where there's, there is more of a focus on, you know, as a founder, as a startup employee, as, as part of one of these companies, there, there has to be some balance. Yeah. Um, with that said, I don't know that I've totally mastered that because I, I really I'm with you, Jeff, 100%. It, it's it's hard to break away. This morning, actually, I've got to get a couple things done and out of my head before I forget them, you know? Yeah. I understand that 100%. <laughs> I don't mind sending emails at 1 a.m. if I can also go mountain biking at 6 in the morning. That's <laughs> there, how I find there, there it. Is a, there I is a trade-off there. I That's true. It. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, Jeff, what, who would you say? I mean, you you talked about a co-founder and having that mentorship and being along the way, and, and you didn't have that at times in your career, but who would you say you look up to or you try to emulate that really inspires you on a professional level? Yeah, good question. Um, you know, I mean, I see a lot of founders and I have, I have way more respect for founders now. And, and I get asked all the time, like, you know, Hey, are you going to start something new? And I've got some little side gigs and stuff, but you know, I'm like, I would much rather sit on the investor side and have somebody Mm -hmm. go kind of do what, what I did there for a while because uh, it's a lot of work and pain, and so I'm any any founder out there has my total respect and, and admiration. Yeah. Um, there's one of the founders that that I invested in. His name's Alex Melbranch. Um, I just remember, you know, him giving it all and just going through all of this. And I remember we've had some great 
conversations. And I just look up to that guy and pushing through. And whether or not, you know, his venture succeeds or fails, um, I, I look to him as, as like an inspiration um, as, as with all founders. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, you've, you've obviously met a lot of people and you've, you've learned lessons on your own and you've probably seen as an angel investor founders learning lessons. Uh, what advice do you have for uh, young entrepreneurs that are just getting into it? Yeah, good question. You know, I know one of the things I tell all the, the startup founders that I work with is make sure you have good, you know, you surround yourself with good people that know, that have experience doing what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. So mentors, advisors, a, a really good startup attorney, um, you know, a, a fractional CFO if that's needed there. Mm-hmm. I mean, surround yourself with professionals that have done it in your space and and it's things are going to go a lot smoother. You don't have to figure every single thing out by yourself. Um, well said. So that's that's one thing. The other thing I would say is something I I hope I've instilled in my kids is is don't be afraid to fail. You know, look at it as you're learning. Mm. Everything you're doing, you're learning. And I, I keep going back to that that process of build, measure, learn, and it's it's all about trying something and being okay to yeah. fail fast and learn from it and go oh that didn't work let's try this let's try this and be in that constant learning mode I think would and, and most founders find that you know like kind of natural I think yeah I think you're right yeah it's something they they do easily and naturally and and take the feedback when they need it, you know, at least the good founders, right? And, and I think you're, you're saying all those things. Awesome. Cool. Fascinating. Yeah. Good good story, Jeff. I mean, I, I has all that – it sounds like a lot of it's been here in Utah local, right? You haven't gone to other yeah, states? Yeah, it's all, it's all been in Utah. So I grew okay. up here, okay. and, um, yeah, we ran Uppercase Living yeah. out of Utah, and – uh, so yeah, yeah, it's all happened here locally. That's awesome. What's next for you? Yeah, you know, I mean, Forecaster is kind of my Main my full time gig and and where I'm spending my my attention. Um, I, you know, I have a bunch of side things that that keep me. What are some active. of those? I'm just curious. What is Jeff so I started something called the Startup Stack, and it's it's a compilation of offers for specifically for startup founders okay you just go to mystartupstack.com and it's uh it's got free different you know offers like you can get carta for free for a period of time or hubspot or different things like that and it's meant to help out founders that are bootstrapping because i mean all these software companies they've got these great tools but as a startup you know as a bootstrapping founder you can't afford uh, these but most of these companies they want to get you using their software so if you're going to end up growing then you know you you grow they grow with you yeah and so what i love about that is that these tools they help increase the likelihood of success of these companies and so it's beneficial for not only the founders but also the you know the service providers or technology providers because now the likelihood of those founders succeeding increases. Yeah. And, you know, if they if they succeed, then those the providers succeed as well because they're used to using their, their 
their products and services. They're building up their future client that's base. Great. Exactly. That's smart. Yeah, that a so. subscription model, Jeff, or how, how do you? No, that's free. I mean, oh, you just okay. go to, you know, mystarpstack.com and, you know, it's, it's open to any, hmm. any uh, founders that want to take advantage of some uh, discounts. And then so on the awesome. back end, those that get new additional clients from that, that, that website, then they, there's some sort of back end fee or compensation or something. Actually, not right, not right now. So, okay, so we'll, so has yet we'll to be, be working on that. So, okay. Uh, benevolent effort right it's a benevolent effort right now yes (laughs) i like it and that's all right you can almost call it a non-profit for now right (laughs) you get the tax advantages great Uh, that's a cool idea i really like that so yeah that's that's been fun and then i don't know if you guys know tim cooley um that guy author of the the pitch deck book Mm -hmm. so tim and i have started a little podcast or webinar podcast cool um called pitch us and we have a founder every week that and and presents their company to us and we give them you know open and honest feedback about their pitch deck about their presentation and then let them know whether they would kind of move on to due diligence or not if we were going to invest in their company and you know the benefit we see there is that a lot of times as a founder you go in and you present to a, a vc or even an angel investor and you you know you're told no. We're we're not going to invest yeah. in you. Uh, you're too early, right? Yeah. Um, you don't know why, really, and you really right? don't know why. Yeah. And yeah. so we're trying to give them some candid feedback on saying, you know, this is probably why you wouldn't get into. At least I wouldn't put you through to due diligence. Or these are some great things you did, and then we're sharing that with the community so that they can also learn along mm. from you know other other people pitching with some some legitimate fid- feedback. I love that. That's great. And it's any any industry, any space. It's just come one, yeah. come all. Really. Yeah, we've. I I think Tim screens them. I send. Oh, I get. He? I get. You know, all <laughs> these people asking me to review their pitch decks all the time, and I like, just send over to to Tim now. So I'm like, <laughs> yeah, just go apply to pitchus.io, and Smart. so I think Tim screens them. That's how you find. That's how they would find it though. Is pitchus.io. Yeah, pitchus.io. Okay. Well, Jeff, this has been really fun. Thanks for being with us today. Oh, this is awesome. We sure hey, you guys are great. We sure appreciate your support of Rev Road and Central Bank and all the things we're at CB Vol, all the things that we're doing. So Yeah, for sure. And I'm excited about what you guys are doing at uh, CB Vault and, and Central Bank there. That's yeah. uh, very cool and excited to learn more and, and find ways we can work together also. Yeah, I'm excited about so it too. Cool. Well, thanks for joining us today. Where do people find you? On LinkedIn? Is that the best place to reach out to you? Yeah, if you want to get in yeah touch? that's probably the easiest. We need to create a new button that says 5,000 plus or 10,000 <laughs> yeah. plus so you can set a new goal. <laughs> well, I think you are, you're over. Uh, how many How many uh, followers are now? At 12,000 I'm pushing 15,000. So 15? So we need a 50,000 button. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I remember the day when you, you sent out the post, hey, I got over 10,000 followers, and that was kind of a cool thing. So. I know. It was cool. It was like, wow, it started with like 500. You know, five, yeah. Only, yeah, and a goal of 500 and... <laughs> Cool. And more than anything, it's just kind of fun to, you know, be able to connect with so many people. And I've seen some real benefits there. I mean, I've re- connected with yeah. with people that I've in, or companies I've invested in that I would have never yeah. known about through LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, Doesn't it feel like people will respond more on that platform than, you know, say an email or something? I mean, yeah, a lot, of, a times. lot of instances, right? Yeah. Cool. Yep. Well, Jeff, thanks again. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. We'll see you soon. Sounds great. Thanks, guys.